Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. Today, I'm chatting with Lucy Hitchcock, founder of not just one business, but two, a service-based business, Sassy Digital, and pandemic-born business, Partner in Wine. Thank you very much, Lucy, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I love, every time I come on someone else's podcast, I think this is like a thing at the moment. I keep going on other people's podcasts. I'm like, it's so nice to uh, not be the one asking questions. And do you know, it's just nice to have a chat. I mean, I was on a podcast, I was a guest on a podcast earlier today, and I think, especially, I work on my own, you know, and if you're not dealing with a client, you know, it's just nice to have a chat. And that's absolutely what, that's what I absolutely love about it. So thank you so much for joining me. So, Lucy, before we get into it, um, can you give a little background about you and both your businesses? Yes, gosh, this always takes up like 15 minutes. So I'm going to I'm going to really like describe this as succinctly as possible, because I don't necessarily think this part of my story is that helpful, but I won't be the judge of that. Um, so my name is Lucy Hitchcock. I am the founder of Sassy Digital and Partner in Wine. Um, I left my, I, I say corporate job. I worked in corporate comms. I don't know if that counts. It was still like a marketing job. Um, but I left my um, corporate, very short-lived career at the age of 23 to essentially start working with small businesses on their social media marketing. So when I left my job, there was being a social media manager was not really a thing. People didn't do it. That's, you know, it wasn't a thing and it was only just starting to become a thing. And people would say to me, let me do it. How old do you know? I'm 31. So Sassy Digital at the end of this month, we're we're in April now, um, will be eight years old, which is absolutely mental. So yeah, I left my job uh, and basically started working part-time with a um, lady called Madeline Shaw, who um, is a kind of very successful published author. Um, she's an absolutely incredible chef. In fact, I always say she taught me to cook. I couldn't, I couldn't cook for, for anything before, before I met her. And I just saw her chucking loads of stuff in a pan. I was like, oh, that's how you cook. And now I absolutely love it. But um, yeah, so worked with her and then sort of um, built out my client base on on the side, and then eventually um, started working with um, kind of startup businesses and small businesses um, on their social media. So you know, I kind of worked with um, everything from a health drink startup mm-hmm. to my local hairdressers and a graffiti removal company. Which, by the way, I still work with today. They're my longest standing clients. Um, John and John, shout out, love them. And uh, yeah, just a really kind of random array of of clients. But my background is actually in, it is in social media kind of marketing. But prior to that, I was one of those like super nerdy kids who used to come home from school and sit on the computer and code my MySpace page, which, you know, obviously is social media, but it's also coding. Um, Mm -hmm. So I can code in in basic HTML um, and CSS. So 
that when I worked in corporate comms, I was doing a lot of the more kind of legal side of website stuff. So looking at, um, you know, privacy policy, cookies, TNCs, um, usability, user experience, accessibility, SEO, um, all of the kind of uh, strategic side of, of website stuff that you need in order to, um, you know, be compliant with Google's SEO search terms and stuff like that, but actually also kind of legally be um, an entity on the internet. So um, after a while at Sassy, um, you know, when budgets get cut, uh, social media is the first thing to go. So then I was like, well, why am I not doing people's websites? And people would often say to me, your website for Sassy is amazing. Could you maybe make me something similar? And I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose so. It's quite easy to me. Like, come second nature. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to think about the usability things because the way that, you know, the websites that we build are kind of done, it's just in the style that, um, you know, we kind of, I've kind of always just um, assumed this is the, the sort of best way to do things. Um, and so, yeah, I've been doing that now for nearly eight years, as I said, but uh, come pandemic in 2020, I had a bit of a meltdown the day before lockdown. I said to my dad, oh my God, what am I going to do? Marketing is going to be the first thing to go. I know it is. I've experienced this before. You know, I got made redundant from my first job because, you know, budgets are always cut in marketing. Um, and then obviously early days of Sassy had quite a hard time when two of my largest clients cut their their marketing budget in the same month so he just went well you know you don't know that you don't know that that's going to happen you've kind of just got to see where see where it takes you and actually I get my positivity from both of my parents because they are so like don't worry about these things until they happen you know you can't worry about things that haven't happened yet and actually what happened overnight is my business doubled in size um I had two full-time employees I had to double my prices overnight um and so obviously what do you do when you're so super busy um you decide to start another business which is very uh it's just very me you know um I like to push myself I like to sort of I like to do things that uh, people say, oh, we shouldn't do that. I like to go, no, okay, well, now you say you shouldn't do that. I'm absolutely going to do it, <laughs> which is maybe why I couldn't work for anyone else because I don't like being told what to do. So I was meant um, to say, were you quite entrepreneurial when you were, I mean, obviously I know you started the business at a, a young age, like 23, but were you quite entrepreneurial before that? Were you very much, this is what I want to do? I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in my life to be honest with you I didn't really have any sense of direction I didn't know really what I wanted to do at school I hated school really kind of just did as little as physically possible to kind of pass by and you know get okay average grades um even though I like to think I'm super intelligent, I'm just not book smart. I'm more like, uh, I go more of like what I sense is, you know, um, kind of right thing to do. And actually, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are like that, you know, Richard Branson didn't get any, well, I don't know how many GCSEs he got, but I think he talks about how he kind of was terrible at school um, and how he wasn't book smart. And, you know, loads of other entrepreneurs are are very much, you know, sort of similar to that. So, um, yeah, pandemic hit. I went for a socially distanced drink in the park with my friend Maddie and I couldn't keep my rosé cold. And I thought, why has no one got a solution to this? This is, you know, surely there's something that can be done. And I thought, well, I could put wine in my water bottle, but my water bottle's not big enough to hold a full bottle of wine. And also I don't really want to mix the two. And I was like, also, it's just not very fun. I was like, why is no one making like an insulated wine bottle? And that's kind of where it came from. And obviously you can see this gorgeous array of um, partner in wine bottles behind me now. Um, that yeah. We've got now got, I think, 11 colours kind of on and off with limited editions. Um, yeah, so I launched in summer 2020. 
and was sort of at first selling to friends and family built up on that though before you go on that's quite that's quite a quick route to market isn't it from pandemic I know it was coming but we weren't locked down until March 2020 and for you to source launch you know source brand create and do all of that to launch then in September that was that's a quick trajectory really isn't it how did you get it done so quickly well it's an interesting question because obviously all the marketing the branding the website that literally took less than a day that was done um you know I only launched with two products I only launched with two colors I didn't even launch with the tumblers um and I just think I was lucky enough to be honest with you to find a factory that um and full disclosure here um the only place you can get insulated bottles manufactured is in China and at the time everyone was kind of cutting ties with you know factories in China trying to find different routes um to kind of spread the risk Mm -hmm. um, of manufacturing and in a time where people were very uncertain and you know you hear about these huge retailers who were cancelling their contracts when things had been made um I just managed to have sort of get to them at a time when they were available to help and you know we turned it around very very quickly um and I think the other thing is is when you start working with new factories they're quite keen in the first instance to kind of get you off to a good start so that um you know you have that good relationship from the offset now don't get me wrong there have been times when you know working with factories are very very difficult um on multiple occasions for multiple different products um so yeah, I think just I think to be honest with you, divine timing, um, right place, right time, and you know I would account the success of the business to being right place, right time. People love the story of Partner in Wine because I started it out of a need in lockdown when the pubs were closed to kind of keep my wine cold, and you know while everyone was on furlough, and um, you know people had huge amounts of disposable income. You know even though people some people lost their jobs and people were on furlough. There was nothing to spend your money on. Um, and so when I launched it, people were like, it was really well received. And um, I think even people thinking, you know, you know, is the world ever going to be the same again? But post-COVID, like, what a great, um, you know, what a great thing to take on holiday. What a great thing to take camping. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, I think it was just very well timed, to be honest with you. And I always like to say, this is not normal. What I did was not normal um, because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's not that you can't do it because I'm sure you can, but there is a lot of um, kind of different moving parts when it comes to product development and certainly to the product that I'm launching in May. Um, this has been a process that's been going on for a year and a half, but that's because the factories are all busy. That's because the, um, you know, I'm now working with a product development team um, and, and they're busy as well. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of moving parts that kind of work with product development. I think you have to give yourself credit there as well. You're obviously a doer, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, if I have an idea, I'm like super hyper-focused on getting it done and then launching it. Um, so when things take a long time, I'm like, oh, and this is why I say I hate product development because because I work online, as I said, I can get branding, website, whatever done in a day. If I really wanted to build a client's website in a day, by the way, I could just absolutely smash it out. Like it just wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't phase me and it wouldn't, it, that's not impossible. It's not an impossible thing to do as long as you've got all the, th- the things that you need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I am very much a kind of crack on and tick things off the list kind of, kind of gal. Yeah. And 
just back to then on that supplier side of things, I'm not I'm obviously not, not going to ask you to share who they are or everything like that. But from finding them, was it LinkedIn? Was it Google? Was it a Google? Yeah, no, just Googled it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, I mean, I, I, since since I started this journey, I've kind of learned actually there's so many different places you can find manufacturers. It totally pe- depends on what you want to do. Um, and actually, trade shows are a really, really great place to find manufacturers. Um, the difficulty, well, it's not difficulty really once you've found a factory, but um, you'll need to find someone to draw up your tech packs. You'll need to find someone to kind of source the right materials. Um, I'm working with a company called Do Good Factory, who um, is run by the lovely Tilly, who is from the UK, but lives over in Portland. Um, And they do a lot of um, product development for a lot of fashion companies. Um, And they helped me with, um, with a few new products that I'm launching. One of them will launch this year. One of them will not be launching this year because it turns out, uh, creating things that don't exist uh sometimes they don't exist for a reason and you've got to work very very hard to make sure that they're actually perfect so um yeah but they uh her, Tilly and her team are absolutely fantastic and um they they kind of really helped me to be able to, they basically are like a team within my business that I'm I'm currently working on my own don't have any employees um, I've got VA and various people that help me with various different things, but um, no one actually solely employed by the company. So to have these sorts of um, teams able to help that are like an extension of your business. Yes. Okay. They're slightly more expensive than you would normally pay, but in the grand scheme of things, I could take something off my plate. So it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, but I'm sure we'll get onto this later. Cause one of the questions you sent me, um, uh, this is kind of my answer to, but um I think the thing is as well, yeah. like using someone else's expertise means that they can get it done in a day, like you building a website or whatever, that they can get it done in such a shorter period of time than what you could get it done in. Yeah. Or, or somebody else that doesn't have the experience, which means that you get to market sooner, that you start making money off it sooner as well. Do you know what I mean? The money starts flowing back into the business. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I simply, I just... I just don't enjoy it. Like, I don't enjoy that. I, I mean, what I enjoy is um, thinking of new new styles and colors and how I'm going to market those. Um, creating a new product is, I like to dream it up in my head and go, this is what we're making. That is going to be sick. The middle bit between thinking up the idea and getting it in my hands, that bit there is not for me. And if I can pay someone to do that for me, absolutely great. Happy days. Yeah. And um, had you dabbled in product businesses before? Had you ever thought of product business or was this, is this your first foray into? I was trying to think of this. Well, not really. No, um, I've always wanted to. And it's because my dad always, always, always for years and years has said to me, you help other people launch their businesses. Why do you not want to launch your own? I was like, no, I do want to launch my own. But, you know, while I have while I might have five, 10 business ideas a day or a week or whatever, I'm not going to pursue something. I'm not, I, I can't see the end result for, and I just don't think there's any point in doing it. And you'll, you'll hear loads of entrepreneurs say, if you don't love your idea, don't do it because you just will not succeed in the way that you want to. If you don't like your products or you don't like your service, or you don't believe in yourself or your products or your services, there's no way you're going to be able to convince anyone else that they're good products. If I didn't like wine, people would see right through that because I'm selling a wine bottle when I don't like wine. 
And if you don't like wine, you're not going to be able to talk about wine. You're not going to kind of be able to like fill the silence in the conversation about wine or like know the nuances behind like, I don't know, some people like their ice in their wine, some people don't. Let's talk about that on social media and laugh about it because it's related to my product, you know? So I think you, I think it's just one of those things that if you, if you're not wholeheartedly in it, that's not the idea. So to answer your question, no, but this was the idea that I was like, this is it. Also, side note to that, I've got another one in my head that I'm going to do at some point. Um, it's not a revolutionary product. It's just something that I enjoy personally. So like it will be a little side hustle at some point. Yeah. Um, but the only other thing I can think that comes to mind, I said this on a podcast the other day, when I was younger, I used to sell stuff out the, outside the front of my house. Um, so we had this, um, I won't go too deep into the story, but my parent, I lived in like, you know, a kind of average family home up until the age of 13 when we moved house. And um, that's where I grew up. And this is going to make our house sound massive and bougie, but it actually really wasn't. For some reason, we had a vine on the back of our house and the vine came from a vine cutting from Hampton Court Palace, which is the oldest vine in the UK. And so what used to happen is my parents used to have to cut the grapes off the vine when they started growing. Because otherwise, what would happen is you go onto the patio and you'd squelch grapes between your toes. Like you couldn't, and then you'd squelch grapes into the house after like kind of having them on your shoes and whatever. And um, it would just create this horrible mess. Um, so they used to have to cut most of them off. And when they cut them off, I thought, this is bloody great. I'm going to just flog these outside the front of the house. Problem being, they're actually grapes for wine. They're not grapes for general consumption. And I knew that because I was like, mm, they're very sour. So I used to go and sell these like, grapes when I was like I don't know seven or eight years old I used to empty this like trolley that had all the toys on I used to put grapes on there and I used to roll them out in the front and be like you know one uh thing of grapes for 20p and I think people obviously used to pity me and think it was quite sweet and be like oh it's 20p very sweet um this one woman I, re- I remember she she said can I try before I buy and I was like oh I don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so she she bought a bunch off me, took a bite of one and said, I want my money back. That's disgusting. And I was like, yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm trying my hardest. I'm a marketeer at heart. What can I say? Absolutely. And um, with with Partner in Wine then, you went viral very quite early on with that, wasn't it? When well, it was seven months. So, yeah, well, I mean, it is quite early on. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. I thought it was sooner. I thought it was very near. But you had gained so quite a good social media following as well, hadn't you? In terms of how you were building it. Or did so, it all, all like just go when you well, were Well, it kind of, it was kind of very much um, focused around, um, so dis- from December 2020 to March 21, in four months, the my social media following kind of gained momentum very, very quickly. So side note to this, when I launched the business, I had 300 followers on Partner of Mine. Mm-hmm. I think I maybe had like 3,000 followers personally. Um, my tactic was to talk about this business that I was launching on my entrepreneurial profile. Um, and people would follow me to be like, what the hell is that girl doing? And people would tell their friends, be like, this girl is launching a business and she talks about it every day in her story, but we don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. She's not mentioned anything about the name. There's nothing about it. So every day I'd be like, Today, I'm looking at packaging. Um, and that's interesting to people who followed me anyway, because obviously they're following me for marketing tips and advice and whatever. Um, and so I kind of gained momentum over that. And then maybe a couple of weeks before launch, I um, posted a teaser and I said, said save water, drink wine at Partner in Wine UK. 
And people were like, she's launching a wine. And I was like, no, I'm not. That would be great, but no. Um, And so people were really like anticipated to find out what it is. Like even, you know, even my friends, I hadn't told them what there was and they'd message me and be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, ha ha, you've got to wait like the rest of everyone else, you know? Because I knew that once that idea hit, they would be like, oh my God, that is unreal. That is such a good idea. Um, And so I launched with 300 followers, had a really good first couple of months, bearing in mind, I was really only selling to like friends, family, and like a few random people who followed me. And, and it was um, as well, you hadn't had the Tumblr yet. So it was one, I know you had two colors, but it was one product rather than I think what some people think is they have to have a, a suite of products. Whereas you had yeah. one, two colors and that's what you were focusing on. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, if this doesn't work, I'll just flog them on eBay. Like, I don't really care. It, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, I think I spent 3000 pounds on the initial stock website. Um, what else do I spend money on? Uh, packaging, um, you know, things like that. Um, so, uh, it, you know, while that is a lot of money, that was the that was the kind of height of what I was willing to risk in order to launch it. Um, and you know, a lot of people spend a lot more money than that. Bearing in mind, I obviously the branding, the website myself, which costs, you know, if you outsource that, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Then between then and about. November time. November is when things start to really kind of kick off and pick up because it's a great gift. Then by December, I think I maybe had, I think I maybe had like 3000 followers on Instagram. This was no, you know, this wasn't even TikTok times. Then I did a giveaway with Mirabeau in January and I got 3000 followers from, um, uh, that collaboration. That, from that giveaway, which was like ideal because obviously I love rosé. The product was born out of my love for rosé. Um, it's perfect for rosé wine. And yeah, that kind of really got me into the sort of hands of a different audience. Not to mention I had like a few different press things. People were starting to follow from that. Um, and then I went viral from TikTok um, on the 3rd of March, 2021. And I woke up with 10,000 followers on TikTok. And this was only like my 13th video on TikTok and the rest of them, I look back at them and I like, it was just me experimenting. I used to spend a lot of time watching TikToks and trying to psychoanalyze, you know, the, the story um, and the strategy behind each post. And actually, you know, sometimes people, people don't really have a strategy a lot of the time. It's just kind of like a, let's tell the story and see if it works. Um, I don't know if that still works. Um, it's what works for my brand. It's what, what has worked for some of my clients. Um but TikTok sort of ever changing. Um, and yeah, so March 21 went viral and that just like overnight, boom. And could, did you have the stock? Did you sell, you know, in terms of, because that's what can happen sometimes. People can go viral and then it's like, shit, I've got all these people coming to my website, but I've now got, I've not got the stock. What what were you like in terms of a stock position point of view and being able to sell? So I, do you know what? I actually don't know how much stock I had, but um, I had enough to... So, so the stats basically from going viral is, um, I sold a product every two minutes for three days consecutively until we completely sold out. Um, I made five figures a day for three days until we completely sold out, um, of certain colors. Um, and then by the end of the month, pretty much everything was sold out. Um, and in comparison, I'd made, uh, six times what I'd made in the first day of going viral in that month, which by the way, I've not replicated since, um, just to, just to be clear, but, um, it, that, that was how much stock I had. Uh, so, I mean, I could probably work it out, but it, it, you know, it wasn't a lot, maybe like a thousand units of that. Actually, no, you were able to, yeah, exactly. Well, we, yeah, exactly. Well, so sold out, managed to get, and the first day that I went viral, I went, this is, 
that this is it, this is wild. And I ordered straight away new stock from the factory. And I'd ordered more stock than I'd ever thought I would order. Restocked in uh, May, March, April, April, end of April, because that's when uh, we were stocked in Selfridges. And um, again, that stock, the the pink, white, black, stainless steel just sold out again. So um, then I had to order uh, 10,000 units and I've got a video of this. It is wild the amount of units were that were there. And me and my mum and dad were just looking at this video from my fulfillment centre, like <laughs> thinking of the picture of me. Yeah. yeah. Sat in my mum and dad's front room, aka the fulfillment centre. That's what we called it. And actually, that's still what we call it today. Sat there with, I don't know, maybe eight boxes of bottles, um, my little doggy on my lap. And I was like, so naive, like, woo, this is so cool. I've got so much stock. And then looking at this video, my mum and dad were like, what have you done? I was like, <laughs> I don't know how this has happened. And talk to you about Selfridges then a little bit and the wholesale side of things. How did that come about? Is that something that you had in your mind? You're like, yeah, I want to be in these retailers. This is this is the plan. This is what I want to do. The moment I held the first sample, the first final sample, well, so the last sample in my hand, the packaging, I was like, this is good. This will be stocked in Selfridges. That I was like, this is a Selfridges vibe. And that's what I wanted. I mean, don't get me wrong. Now I know what I know. Wholesale, I'm kind of like, Meh. it, you know, give or take. For the right things, I will go for it. For things that are not quite right um, or don't really serve the brand, then I won't do it. But um, it's something I had in my head. And they reached out to me as if I thought the day I went viral couldn't get any weirder. I got an email at one mm, fifteen or something uh, saying, hey, so-and-so here from Selfridges, we've seen your video on TikTok, we want to stock you. And I was literally like, <laughs> what? And actually, side note to this, all of the retailers that I'm with have come to me. So um, I've been stocked in Oliver Bonus, Urban Outfitters, um, Liberty London, um, speaking to like a few others at the moment, but they've all reached out to me. It's not something I've actively um, gone and done. And um, it's a tricky one when people ask for my what my advice would be, because I obviously have, I say I'm in a fortunate position. You know, I've kind of worked to get the branding to where it is, to be a desirable product, to be on the shelves. Like you have to think about merchandising. If that's your end goal, like what does your packaging look like? You know, you have to think about these things. Um, but I, going viral is one thing, but actually having a product that, I don't think all products are necessarily right for retail, because, you know, you might have an oversaturated market, but then, you know, you everyone can technically be in retail. You just have to kind of sit back and ask yourself, what is your point of difference? You know, what what is different about your product that will make it desirable to be in Selfridges, for example? And, you know, one of the examples that I love using that's not partner in wine is Refi, which is um, Jess Hunt's beauty brand. No one was doing a beauty brand like hers before she started it. You know, she started off with a very, very limited collection, which was a um, brow product to get her kind of like her bushy brows that she had. So once she'd done that, she then brought out a bronzer and a um, blusher to get that kind of really natural, natural look. And a lot of makeup brands don't do that as their core range, but also they they have a lot of products. So, you know, starting small and going from there, sometimes you have to kind of sit back and go, what 
is going to make me stand out to a retailer if that's the route that you want to go down. Um, and then obviously the second question is, right, how are you going to get there? Is it something you need to do off the bat or is it something that you can do once you've launched? Um, and I don't really know the answer to that question, but certainly for me with Partner in Wine, I know it looks like it's off the bat, but I've had various different kind of enlightenments about my packaging. You know, I started with exactly the same color packaging for pink and stainless steel and it was only until I realized when I was packing the bottles that I had no idea which bottle was inside each tube and I had to kind of take it out which doesn't sound that annoying but it is when you're packing like you know hundreds of bottles up yeah so then changing that I think as well it's making sure that it's like you said for that that it's retail ready from the beginning that going into you know if you've got an aspiration to be in Selfridges or, or Boots or Marks Spencers or wherever it might be you know, liberties, you're going in and you're having a look at similar products that are, I mean, yours would be different because there wouldn't have been that similar product there, but just making sure, you know, what does it look like on, what could it look like on the shelf? Is it easy to read? Have you got the descriptions on the back of the packaging of what it does and, and all that kind of thing? Because I think when sometimes people are just preparing something for their own website or for purely e-com, it's a very different, um, it's just a different way that you have to look at it and make sure that you tick all the boxes so that you don't have to develop, this packaging is expensive, you don't have to develop another set of packaging for you know for for yeah. reasons yeah absolutely um so yeah it's I don't know I my advice would be to try and go viral but also like there's so many other things that you have to do in order to be at the point where people are so in love with the brand and actually my my focus from the beginning wasn't retail. My focus was to make people fall in love with my brand and fall in love with my story. And that is exactly what I did. I mean I um, last week I was, I'm working with a wine retailer at the moment and we've just done a collaboration and it actually makes me quite emotional when big businesses are, because look, let's not beat around the bush. It is just me sitting here. I'm not a big business at all. I'm a very, very small business. It's just me. Um, the support that bigger businesses are able to give and, you know, loads of the companies that I've collaborated with who have like, I don't know, 20 employees, you know, they're, they're all, they are all so like on board with a partner in wine story. And the fact that I reply to the emails personally, and they're like, oh my God, I just thought, I thought someone else would reply. It's like, no, I'm just, I just want to live an easy life, but also like, I want to reply to these things. Like if someone else replies to things that are exciting, I'm like, no, like I want to feel excited about it. It's my business, you know? So, um, that was really important to me. And I feel very lucky, um, to have throughout my career built up a knowledge base that allowed me to do that I think as well like you know I see on your socials and you are your ideal customer as well and a lot of people aren't their own ideal customer but that's where the brand came from and you know you are your ideal customer I love the education side that you bring with the the wine as well and everything that you bring into you know to what you share on social um from a business point of view what's been your best investment in the business other than stock what do you think has been the best investment in the business so far? Can I can my answer be my uh my product development team? Is that allowed? Because that's technically stock. <laughs> you can say whatever you want, yeah. That that or my fulfillment center, God, I love them. My um the people I work with that are not in my team probably is the answer to that. Um I just work with so many nice people. I just want to live an easy life. I want to run a nice business. I don't want to be feel stressed when I come to work. And I woke up this morning and the sun was shining through the window. And I turned to my boyfriend and I said, I'm so excited to sit at my desk today. 
And that was more than I could say when I worked for someone else because, you know, I just wasn't enthused by it. Um, and I I think it's because I work with such nice people and I don't speak to anyone that's horrible or, I, you know, I work, all the people I work with are rooting for me in my business. And I yeah. think that's that's not only the nicest thing to be able to have, but also I feel positive about investing my money into those things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what do you think, and I know there's no such thing as failures, there's just mistakes that we learn and, and remember, but what do you think have been things that you may have done differently or that you have learned from? Um, well, I wouldn't have launched initially with the same color packaging. I'll tell you that. That was a bit of a ball ache to sort out. Um, do you know what? I never know what answer to give on this question because I've never really ballsed up. I mean, actually, the only thing I would say is ordering that 10,000 units was very unnecessary and it's not something I needed to do. Um, and it's taken me a while to actually work through that uh, that level of stock. So um, if I could have done one thing differently, it probably would have been that because I spent a house deposit on stock which was I didn't really need to do so now going forward um I'm actually just doing smaller stock runs because it makes more sense for me from a commercial point of view um and financially cash flow wise it it makes more sense for me as well if things are sold out people are constantly like when is it gonna be back in stock when is it gonna be back in stock so when it is back in stock people tend to want to get their hands on it so yeah I know managing that cash flow is key isn't it in terms of from a stock point of view because you are if you're sitting on loads of stock it's, you're essentially just sitting on cash aren't you you can't spread it around um, yeah and what you balance obviously you've got two businesses that you run how do you balance that do you balance it <gasps> this is so this is so funny everyone always asks me this um basically I sorry that was my dog no Woody into your bed into your bed excuse me thank you He's looking at me like, mummy, it's dinner time. It's not. Um, I have various people that do various different things for me as this kind of a running theme of this podcast. Um, and I'm also very, I've always been very much into processes. So um, for example, with Sassy, the onboarding process, um, it's something that's simplified. Um, an email goes out if someone inquires with a price list um, and that gets sent out personally. But, um, you know, the price list is ready to go. Then there's a link in that email to book a call if people are interested. Um, but that kind of sending out a price list enabled me. The moment I realized that that was what I needed to do, it really alleviated a lot of time spent on building up proposals because it's good to give people an indication of how much your services cost in order for them to know whether it's in their budget. If you see my price list and you go, oh, God, that's really not what I was looking to spend at all, yeah. then people just won't book a call with me and that's that's absolutely fine because They're it's not wasting time then. exactly it's not wasting time but equally I do like people to know that actually they can work with me whatever their budget just kind of that's what that that list outlines so um that was a process for me TNCs um onboarding sending that out that's all something my VA helps me with um so you know that's a huge chunk of time that I've saved there you know what what now takes me five minutes, if that used to take me like half a day. Right. Okay. So, you know, just things like that, you know, even sending out a calendar link, not going, Hey, are you free on Tuesday at 12? Oh no, I'm not. What time are you free on? No, back and forth, back and forth. No, we don't need to be doing that. Like, come on, there's tools that are out there to help you do basically anything and everything you want and automate it. I'm not a dub sardo kind of gal. I don't like everything to be automated because I like to know what's going on. Um, and so that's why I choose to do it the way that I do it. But 
a lot of things in my businesses are automated. So, you know, I have a bookkeeper, an accountant, a VA. I have um, my friend Freddie who helps me with um, a lot of my marketing stuff, social media. She's like my, uh, she's like my momager. She makes, she forces me to make TikToks. Um, I then have my agent who deals with all like my brand deals and commercial stuff. I have, um, who else do I have? God, I've just got loads of people doing loads of different things. So actually when it comes down to it, all I need to do with partner and wine is send a few emails about product development. If I get inquiries through about corporate orders, deal with that, send out the pricing, that's all in a form. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to really bother with that either. Like it's just going, this is what it will cost times that by the amount of units you want and you can do the maths. So there's, I don't actually have a huge amount really to do apart from client work. But yeah. even then, you know, Becky works for Sassy. She does a lot of the the kind of running around. I have um, a web developer. I have freelancers who do various different things for me. So a lot of the time, it's just a case of me sending an email. So I'm able to get so much done because I've put these processes into my life. Now, the only downside to that is I'm because I'm a doer, if I don't do enough doing, I feel very unproductive and I feel very guilty and I'm very, very hard on myself. So there has to be that fine balance between working really, really hard sometimes and then having a break um, and 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 working not as hard, but not feeling guilty about it. I mean, today I've hardly done any work. I did an hour of emails this morning. Um, I did some admin for an hour that was kind of both personal and work related. Then I went out for a walk. Then I got back. Then I did some more personal admin. And then I went to do a food shop to the gym. And then I've come straight onto this podcast, but I think it's all about actually in my mind, I have to be quite um, uh, regimented with my time. And for example, this podcast, we were going to record at one o'clock. I said to you yesterday, I was like, actually, please can we move it to two o'clock because I need to get certain things done in my day to make myself feel good. So if that means booking a gym class at lunch, because I'm not free this evening, that's what has to happen. So um, I'm very, very strict about the hours that I work. I no longer work in the evenings. I no longer work at weekends. I don't work on bank holidays anymore. I used to love working on a bank holiday Monday. I was like, it's great. No one replies to my emails, but I don't need, I don't need to do that anymore. Um, And I don't, I don't want to do it. So um, I think there is a, in terms of getting loads of stuff done, I think I've, it's been like a real journey for me to learn where my boundaries are and to delegate different things. And that has just come from the fact that I've been in business for such a long time. Um, and I couldn't always afford it, but now I can afford it. Why wouldn't I do it? And you mentioned there about an agent and brand collaborations. Have you, when you started, were you like, I'd love to, I know that the tick, you had the TikTok one that came about, but did you have an idea of people that you wanted to work with or how, did they approach you? Is it like the wholesale side of things? How did those come about? So kind of half and half like some a lot of brand deals come through so this is the thing really I have three businesses because I also have Lucy Hitchcock but those brand deals tend to go out on my different channels so partner in wine or sassy or me or whatever um I have ideas of brands that I want to work with yes um there's not a lot of outreach that happens purely because I just don't have time to do that and that's not what my agent does so my agents are actually um they represent um entrepreneurs they're a speaking agency so um but as a side note to that they do you know our contract with one another is that they deal with all my kind of commercial and brand deals um so you know when I work with um Adobe or Waitrose or 
you know, another company, I pass them over to broker that deal because it's not um, probably I'd undersell myself, but also um, that that that's their kind of bread and butter. That's their day-to-day job. They can fire on an email and just be like, this is Lucy's rates, um, X, Y, and Z. But um, they tend to get me speaking gigs to talk about, you know, social media, being an entrepreneur, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um, anything else that comes in that's social media related will just get passed over onto them okay. for them to to deal with. So okay. it's a bit of both, but f- for example, like I have relationships, I've had relationships with some brands that I've then gone on to do deals with. Um, so it's sometimes a case of random brands coming to you, but then it's also sometimes a case of um, working with someone and then coming back to you and going, working with them for free or getting gifted and then co- them coming back to me and going, actually, we'd like to do a paid post because we've got this promotion on and we want you to deliver specific information about that because we know the audience are the right people to kind of deliver that to. And from a social media point of view, you're on obviously all the pla- most of the platforms, I would say. How do you treat them differently and what works well? What do you see the most return of for different brands? Ooh. Um, Your own brands in terms of obviously the different businesses that you have. Oh, that's an interesting one. I mean, the thing is with Sassy, I actually don't really post a lot on that social media channel, mainly because I've just got so much. I'll only post on there when I want more work. Um, and that tends to work quite well for me because I have a reputation that I've built over such a long time. People will come to me. You'll go onto a website that was built by Sassy for a client that we no longer, not no longer work with, but that project's come to an end and someone will come to me and go, I know you built so-and-so's website. Um, Mm -hmm. so we'd like to um, build a website with you basically. Um, so that kind of ticks along. I'd say, Nine times out of 10, I can post something on Partner in Wine if it's like a deal or, um, well, it's never a deal really. But like, for example, if there's bundle deals for Black Friday, if I post on it there, a uh, post about them there, that's where I get the most return from, um, you know, building up my Instagram or TikTok. Instagram. Okay. Um, um, the annoying thing is with TikTok is that when I went viral on TikTok, Shopify and TikTok didn't have a connection. So it, it filed it under direct traffic, which isn't right because it's not direct traffic. So there's still some like blurred lines around where, where, which channel I make the most money from. But I'd say what I gain the most from, not the most money, would be from TikTok because I will get stopped on the street and people will say, are you that girl from Partner in Wine? Or I'll be, um, I was at a concert last summer and this girl who worked at the venue rushed into the loose and went, sorry, I just, I really need to just um, say that I really just love you and I love your brand. And I think it's amazing what you did. And I just would kick myself if I didn't come in and say hi. So, you know, things like that. And then aside from that, like the brand deals, um, getting to work with household names um, is just that, you know, that really is kind of like the pinnacle of it for me. Um, If you take away the money side of things, that's fine. But like, well, it's not really fine, is it? But you know what I mean? It's it's sometimes working with Waitrose um, is more exciting than posting about your own products, for example. So um, I would say TikTok has given me more in many different senses, but Instagram is actually the place where the community is. Um, whereas TikTok, you don't tend, you tend to just go on your view page. You don't tend to constantly go back to a brand's page just to see what videos they posted. Or, I mean, I certainly don't, but um, 
I could, who knows? I could be wrong. I would say TikTok for the brand awareness and your awareness, but then Instagram for the community and the sales, depending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very good. And are you using LinkedIn much? I do use LinkedIn. I'm a new LinkedIn user. <laughs> I love it. I, do you know what I love? Um, I, well, no, sorry. Hang on. Let me rephrase this. I actually don't love LinkedIn. I, um, I feel like I should post on there. So I do, I'll post on there with interesting things that are relevant to an entrepreneurial audience. So for example, today's episode of my podcast, um, I will post the, the teaser on there. I post in the videos on there. I post content on there that I already have that I think those people would find interesting. Yeah. Um, have I seen much gain from it? I don't know. Is it, I sometimes find it just a place you can go and talk about yourself. And I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I don't really understand what the kind of end point of that is, but I suppose you can go viral on anyone can go viral on any social media channel. You know, I've seen people go viral on LinkedIn. Good for them. Um, I don't know what it would bring me if I went viral on there, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hence maybe, why maybe, could... maybe more speaking gigs or I don't know, yeah. something like that. And, um, what about people that are starting out? You, because you see both sides, I suppose, in terms of with working with on on Sasa Digital and then having your own business. What advice would you give for people that are starting their own brand? Oh, I'd say learn to like if you're not feeling confident, because it is a new thing. It's scary to start a new brand. When I started, everyone wanted to give their two piece, or they wanted to. I don't know. Some people wanted to go. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Or you know, ask silly questions that really they don't know anything about and I know some people are just being in, intrigued and interested um but sometimes you're like just shut up like just let me get on with it have that kind of tunnel vision that a racehorse has like your it's your journey starting a business is I know people say it's hard and you know it's shit at times and whatever I don't know what you're trying to build but I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, I didn't do all the things that I wanted to do. And part of the way that I like living is to live a nice, happy life. And I don't want stress in my life. I don't need stress in my life. And so I think one thing that we often take for granted when running a business is actually forgetting to celebrate the small wins and actually seeing the good in every day. And so learning to not look too much into the negatives and actually pulling out the positives, you know, okay, I made a mistake, but did I learn a lesson from that? Yes. Okay. I won't do it next time. Let's move on to the next thing. You know, what's, what's kind of, what, what are you getting out of bed for in the morning? Um, and if you can continue to answer those questions, then you will continue to motivate yourself to push forward. Cause being, being motivated is very difficult when you're a solopreneur or when you're starting out, because you might not know anyone that has a business or maybe you do, but it's not in the right field, you know? Um, and so apart from this motivational speech, the other thing I would say for people to do is go and find a community online because you will always find people who are talking about running their business, who are giving tips for others who are starting a business and um, people talking about their own journeys, things that you can learn from that you'll meet so many people along the way. So many of my friends I've met through Instagram and, you know, I'm really happy to call them friends because they're the only people sometimes that I can actually talk to about. It's not that I can talk to, I can talk to my friends about my business, but no one quite understands what you're talking about like a fellow business owner. Um, and so that's really, really important is to find your kind of community. Um, and that will also help keep you motivated, I think. Thank you for that. And what would you say success requires what? Happiness. Very good. And you're truly happy in what you're doing. Well, do you, I had a revelation last week, which is that 
Um, I always say, I don't think you need to have loads of people working for you to have a successful business. But then it's actually like, well, what does success mean to you? And success means to me waking up in the morning going, I can't wait to set my desk today. And, you know, I've had employees and I've worked with various different people. And at points that was bringing a lot of stress to my life. I mean, I was going through some difficult stuff at the time anyway, but um, having an added level of stress, um, it's no fun for anyone. And I just think actually success for me is not turning over tens of millions of pounds. Yeah. Okay, fine. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, But it's not a reality for everyone. It can't happen for everyone. Okay. Maybe it will happen for me, but I tell you what, I will not be running a team of 10 because F that it's not, it's not something that I aspire to have. I just want to live a nice, happy life. I want to go on holiday and not have to work. Um, I want to, um, I just want to feel happy. And, um, if you can't feel happy in your life, then something's not right. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. And my last one for you, I know that was going to be my last one, but I do have one. What can we expect from partner and why that you can share that's coming over the next six months? Oh, well, got new colors, colors being plural, couple of collabs. Uh, and I have a totally new product that does not exist coming out in a month's time. And by the way, I've just had the pictures through and I just looked at, this is why I was a tiny bit late. Sorry. I was looking at them on my phone. And I was literally like, so excited <laughs> I know um I've just had the photo shoot done by my photographer who lives in Australia and she's nailed the brief she nailed the brief every time um and I'm really sad that I wasn't there but yeah they do look absolutely great um so yeah I'm excited for the launch of that um and then I don't know do you know what there'll be some surprises along the way I'm sure um I tend to be surprised every week by things that happen within my business so who bloody knows you know you asked me this question today next week it'll probably be a different answer um so yeah <laughs> Where can people find you, Lucy? You can find me at Lucy Hitchcock underscore um, for my, I say it's my personal Instagram. It's my, my, it is my personal Instagram, but it's mainly for kind of like um, business tips, day-to-day life as an entrepreneur, what goes on there. Um, and then at Partner in Wine UK for everything Partner in Wine related on TikTok and on Instagram. Fantastic. And they are going to be linked in the show notes. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank and you so much for having me. It's lovely and really nice to chat to you. I followed you for a long time actually, and I did your um your maths class on TikTok that you did. Um, ah, how to go viral? Yes, um, a while ago. Obviously, I've kind of dabbled, but not gone viral and come into it and come out of it. But anyway. Do you know what? Can I just say it takes a. a you think viral is going easy. Like I genuinely think it's down to luck. Who bloody knows how that video went viral. Listen, it's, it's consistency. I mean, one of my clients, we posted on TikTok for six months to the point where she was like, mm, this isn't really working. Next day, bam, viral sales through the roof. So you just never know. It's, it's consistency. I know. And that's what, what I haven't been with it. I've did it for a while. And then it was like, oh, I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to go back to Instagram. But I think it's finding what works for you, isn't it, as well. But thank you so much. And for everyone that's listened, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast episode. I'll be back again next Thursday with another great guest. Feel free to leave a review, which would be great, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that more people can listen to Start, Scale, Succeed. Thank you very much. Thanks.